What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Gadget Reason Radio here on Anchor FM. And welcome to everybody who's tuning in from the podcast as well. My name is Sean. I'm your host. And today is that somber day that we have to face every single year since uh, 2001, where we remember all of the uh, people that tragically lost their lives in the attacks on September 11th. And uh, as, as someone who's from New York and grew up there, um, it's still hard for me to believe that 16 years later, um, you know, that, that that actual disaster or that, that terror attack actually took place. It's, it's so hard to, um, for me to even think about what New York looks like without the, uh, the Twin Towers and, um, you know, just, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain. But, um, you know, luckily, I didn't personally lose anybody, all of my friends and family or anybody who lived in the area. We're all okay during that uh, horrible day, but um, it's still um, very weird. I'll never forget the first uh, trip home that I took after the uh, the September 11th attacks, which was actually that Thanksgiving. Um, I took a buddy of mine who'd never been to New York uh, home with me for um, to go to go spend Thanksgiving with my family, and uh, you know, flying in, you know, that first time seeing New York's skyline forever changed was pretty uh, was pretty dramatic. But as strange as it feels to uh, transition from the you know time we spend remembering uh, those attacks and and all of the uh, lives of the innocent people that that perished on that day, um, you know life does go on and uh, we do have things to do. So uh, I am going to just move forward with uh, the uh, tech headlines that have accumulated over the weekend, and there actually was quite a lot going on. So this is one of the first times that I've actually had to sort of pick and choose and filter out uh, all the stories that I had actually curated over the weekend and, and this morning and actually cut them down to something you know relatively manageable. So let's go ahead and jump in with today's tech download for Monday, September 11th, 2017. So over the past three to four days, there's been a ton of Nintendo news circulating. So I wanted to go ahead and just dump all the Nintendo news into one segment. And I'm going to kick things off with a, a new story that's been circulating about Nintendo finally addressing some of the issues concerning the SNES classic sort of disastrous pre-order that took place about two weeks ago. It seems as though Nintendo is actually trying to make a concerted effort to urge consumers to not buy any SNES classics from scalpers on places like eBay and pay exorbitant prices for the console. In an interview with Financial Times, Nintendo of America president Reggie Phils Amy said he would strongly urge anyone looking for an SNES classic to avoid using auction sites and that you realistically shouldn't have to pay more than the suggested retail of $80 for the SNES classic. As of right now, it's unclear as to whether or not this is just PR and damage control on Nintendo's part, trying to sort of deal with the backlash that they've had from angry consumers about the way that this pre-order and launch has gone down, or if it's just a way to try and dissuade potential scalpers from actually putting more consoles onto places like eBay and gouging consumers for high prices. There have been other rumors circulating around that Nintendo has stated that it is dramatically increasing the production of the SNES Classic console, but we have no baseline 
of reference as to what exactly that means. You know, where are they ramping this up from? From from little to none or from an already pretty decent amount of systems being pumped out daily to an even more dramatically larger number? We have no idea. So it's still yet to be seen exactly how Nintendo is going to handle this SNES launch once it actually takes place towards the end of the month. Another Nintendo rumor that started to circulate around the end of last week is that Nintendo is actually working on an achievement system for the Nintendo Switch. This would make sense considering how much heat Nintendo has taken for not really having a fully fleshed out online system um, and even its main online competitive game that it has right now, which is of course Splatoon 2, hasn't really been met with a lot of praise in terms of how it's handling its online play. Microsoft started its gamer score system back in 2005 and here we are like 12 years later and Nintendo still has nothing that can really compete with Sony or uh, Xbox's online uh, sort of scoring or achievement system. Now even though not everybody obsesses over getting every single trophy or increasing their gamertag score, a lot of people do find some value in it and it does add a little bit of replay value when you have certain goals uh, that you have to achieve when playing games. Nintendo has also announced that it will be holding another Nintendo Direct this week, exclusively for Nintendo Switch and 3DS content, and that will be on September 13th at 3pm Pacific Time. While Nintendo hasn't given a specific agenda of exactly what will be discussed, they did mention that Super Mario Odyssey will be among the games being highlighted and discussed during this event, and you can probably bet on at least some of the time being spent discussing the upcoming Metroid Samus Returns title for the 3DS. I'm still holding out hope that they might actually dedicate some time to the NBA 2K18 content as well as FIFA 18, but I haven't heard anything mentioned about those two specific titles. It's probably more likely they'll be discussing some of the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild uh, DLC content, as well as Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and Sonic Forces, which are both upcoming titles for the Switch for this holiday season. Speaking of NBA 2K18 for the Nintendo Switch, it was recently reported that the Switch version of 2K18 was going to be one of the first titles that requires an SD card and an internet connection to be able to play. Upon doing further research, the reason for this is pretty obvious. Nintendo Switch game cart sizes currently range from 1GB all the way up to 32GB. There's currently nothing larger available than a 32GB cart, and 64GB cards, even when they do become available, will be extremely expensive for content developers and game publishers to use, and they will just want to pass that cost on to consumers. So, with NBA 2K18 clocking in at about 45 gigabytes on the Xbox One, you can assume that the Nintendo Switch version has a pretty good shot at creeping up on that 32 gigabyte cap that currently exists for Nintendo Switch titles. So because of this, it only makes sense that they will probably just ship it on either a 16 or 32 gigabyte card to save cost and then have users download the rest of the game content to their SD cards once they install the game. It looks like early reviews of Nest's latest thermostat, the Thermostat E, are starting to roll in and it seems to be overwhelmingly positive. Coming in at $169, the Thermostat E is about $80 less than Nest's original premium learning thermostat, while still maintaining a majority of the functions and features of its more expensive sibling. The Thermostat E is made up of mostly plastic components as opposed to the metal and glass of the original, and it has fewer wire terminals and a low resolution screen. Due to the low resolution screen, you won't have things like Farsight on the E version, a feature that displays custom info like analog clocks and current weather forecasts that you can view at a distance. Other than that, it maintains most of all the features of the original, and you can even use Amazon Alexa or Google Home to adjust temperatures using your voice. 
Ultimately, the Nest Thermostat E is for anybody who wants some of the benefits of a smart learning thermostat and wants to add a little bit of tech and home automation to their home without shelling out $249. So whether or not the $80 difference justifies enough people wanting to buy the Thermostat E over the original is yet to be seen, but it's still nice to know that Google and Nest are giving people other options. It looks like Amazon's latest flagship Fire TV has been unveiled and it's now a square block. Amazon will be unveiling two new Fire TV devices this year. The first of which will be a mid-tier dongle that will plug directly into an HDMI port on a TV, just like the existing Fire TV streaming stick. While the second will be their flagship device with built-in Alexa functionality. Both of these new Fire TV models will support 4K and HDR content and will be placed into the existing Fire TV lineup just above the existing Fire TV stick, which does not support 4K or HDR content. Both devices feature a new square and blocky design with the new dongle looking like a more square version of Google's Chromecast and being powered by a 1.5 gigahertz processor, eight gigabytes of internal storage and two gigabytes of RAM. The new mid-tier Fire TV dongle should be coming in around $60 to $80, leaving the existing Fire TV sticks as the budget offering from Amazon. As for Amazon's new flagship Fire TV device, it looks like a square cube with an LED light bar and all the same top buttons as an existing Amazon Echo Dot. It does contain far-field microphones and will have full support for Amazon Alexa voice control. One nice feature of this particular device is that it does include an IR remote control, meaning that it can work with older TVs that don't have HDMI CEC support, which is a nice feature for Amazon to include. The new flagship device from Amazon should come in over $100 and should be announced at some point in the near future. It looks like the latest version of the Apple TV, which may be called the Apple TV 4K, is going to contain most of the same specs and power as an existing iPad. That includes things like having an A10X Fusion CPU and three gigabytes of RAM. The Apple TV 4K will obviously be able to display not only 4K content, but it also has the potential of being able to display 4K content all the way up to 60 frames per second. Along with being able to display content at 4K and 60 frames per second, the new Apple TV should also support HDR10 and Dolby Vision, which isn't too big of a surprise as those are the two standard and competing formats currently in use by most content producers. The new Apple TV could possibly get unveiled tomorrow at Apple's big iPhone event or potentially in the coming weeks in its own separate event to unveil any other new products that Apple wants to discuss outside of the new iPhone and the Apple Watch. Mercedes-Benz has announced that it will electrify its entire car lineup by the year 2022. Mercedes is just another in a long list of car manufacturers that are set to embrace electrification, announcing that it will be electrifying its entire vehicle lineup. Ever since Tesla burst onto the scene and kind of dragged the automotive industry into the future, uh, car manufacturers have been announcing these EV changes on a regular basis. When you take into account the fact that China is one of the largest car markets in the world currently, has announced its plans to eventually move to ban the sale of fossil fuel vehicles entirely, it makes sense as to why all car manufacturers would want to make sure that their cars can be sold in the most amount of regions around the world as possible. Mercedes clarified the 2022 goal by stating that it wanted to have all of its vehicles either in a hybrid form or full EV vehicles by that date. China isn't alone in its aspirations to ban fossil fuel vehicles. Both France and the UK have also expressed their plans to phase out fossil fuel cars by the year 2040.
Well, tomorrow's the day we finally get to see the unveiling of all of Apple's latest iPhones and potentially the new Apple Watch as well. But that doesn't mean it's too late for details to keep leaking out. The latest round of leaks coming from the latest version of iOS 11 leaked over the weekend, and it seems like we have some more detailed specifications on what to expect from the iPhone X and 8 CPUs. It seems like both phones will have a 10 nanometer chip inside and that the new A11 processor inside both phones will feature six cores, including two high power monsoon cores and four low power maestral cores. Early estimates are stating that the new CPUs in both phones should be Geekbench monsters for those of you that care. And there are some early rumors or suggestions that it could potentially be a 10K plus score with all six cores in use. If you haven't heard already, Apple's press conference announcing the newest iPhones will take place tomorrow in California inside the new Steve Jobs Theater, which apparently has seats that cost upwards of $4,000. That's pretty crazy, but hey, it's Apple, they've got money to burn. You can bet that a good portion of the entire keynote will be dedicated for Apple to brag about how powerful the CPU and GPU performance of the new A11 chip really is. So like I mentioned at the beginning of today's episode, there is quite a lot of tech news circulating around. There's a lot happening in the tech world right now. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and just give you guys my final thoughts on a few of these topics. So starting off with Nintendo, um, I really wish that I could believe that Nintendo was being honest about exactly what's going on with the SNES production as well as what's going on with the Nintendo uh, Switch production as well. Both of those are reported to have enormous bottlenecks and issues with production, which I just have a hard time believing when you're talking about a company uh, as big as Nintendo. You would think that they would be able to have a lot of pull with all of the different um, suppliers of the different parts that they need to produce these products and that they'd probably have a pretty good shot of bumping anybody else to the back of the line uh, other than maybe somebody like Apple. So it's just really hard for me to believe that they're really doing everything that they can and that some of these constraints or restrictions are not uh, done intentionally. Now, as far as the new Nest device, I think it's great that Google is is helping with the people over at Nest to try and produce you know, different things that more people will get their hands on. I just don't know if $80 is really that big of a compelling reason. If you're already gonna invest that kind of money anyway, um, that extra 80 bucks gets you a much nicer looking and slightly more functional version of the Nest thermostat. So if it was me, I'd probably pay the extra, you know, 80 to $89 for the upgraded version. You know, as for the latest Amazon Fire devices, I'm actually really curious to see those once they're officially un unveiled because the, the current uh, Amazon lineup with all the Alexa devices and the Echo Dot and of course, you know, their Fire lineup, um, it's, it seems to kind of make sense to start condensing some of these down into multi-function uh, devices. So I definitely am not too interested in the dongle version, but the, the full-fledged uh, Amazon Fire replacement, I'm definitely curious to see if that can function as a a full Alexa home sort of hub and also be a really good uh, TV set-top box. So um, yeah, I'm definitely gonna be taking a look at that once it's officially announced. The other big story is of course the iPhone event tomorrow. And you know, I don't know why we still get excited about these things, but uh, there's just something about an Apple keynote that generates a lot of enthusiasm and excitement. And the way that they just sort of go about telling everybody uh, about not only the things they're developing, but all of the success that the company is having is just really impressive. You know, it's definitely, um, there's definitely a lot of bragging that happens at these iPhone announcements and iPhone events. But when you're on track to become the first uh, company to have a trillion dollar valuation, I guess you 
you've earned a little bit of bragging rights and it is definitely fascinating so um as far as the new iphones you know i I have no interest in the two sort of mid-tier upgrades, the iPhone 8s, whatever they're you know going to be called, 8s, 8s, 7s, I don't know. Um, I have really no interest in that. I want a full-fledged upgrade, especially after using the Essential phone for a while and using phones like the OnePlus 5. Um, my iPhone and its design is starting to feel really, really outdated. I've mentioned this before. So personally, I'm only interested in the iPhone X, if that's indeed what it's going to be called. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to. If you guys have any comments or questions about any of the stories today, please feel free to leave a comment or a uh, call in. And as always, I really appreciate all of you guys tuning in. If you haven't already, follow me on all social media platforms at Gadget Reason. But that's going to do it for today's episode. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. So have a good night. Thank you.